This is Unretirement, a podcast about finding purpose and a paycheck in the second half of life. I'm Chris Farrell from American Public Media. Unretirement is a grassroots movement sweeping the country. Many boomers realize that they need to earn an income. Other boomers want to earn an income during the traditional retirement years. But at the same time, they don't just want to be making money. They want to be doing something that leaves a legacy, makes a difference, has meaning. This is you. You're sitting in traffic on your way to work, and you're thinking, why don't I just chuck this career? Why can't I buy a farm, live out in the country, raise cattle, make cheese? But how realistic is that fantasy? How do you learn to farm if you never grew up on a farm? And if you're in your unretirement years, how do you make the finances work? And are you going to get worn out by the physical labor? Today, we're going to talk to someone who turned her dream of a farm into reality. I'm also going to meet with a financial planner to get some insights about marrying your finances with your dream, whatever it may be. First, let's meet Sylvia Burgos Toughness. She and her husband Dave own the Bull Brook Keep. Come on in. Hi, Hi friend. How, How are you? Good Hi. to see you Good again. You Just as I was about to dip my hands into some flour. So she was in the kitchen and she was baking bread. I am making French sourdough, and I'm hoping this thing will even rise now. Um, and we're at a stage where it's gone through its auto lease. This is where she has her classes. That's what we started talking about right away. The kitchen's really important to her. So she makes all kinds of stuff, teaches classes in the kitchen. And my first question to her was, okay, Sylvia. You were born in the Bronx, right? And she said, yes, I was born in the Bronx. I said, okay, so how do, how do you end up on a, on a farm? I mean, this is a farm. You got, you got cattle. Turns out it was 36 head of cattle. How do you end up on a farm? And then she told this fascinating story when she was growing up in the Bronx and her grandmother could grow anything. Now, she and my grandfather came from Puerto Rico, so they moved from Puerto Rico to the U.S. Um, when they were in their early teens. And she was from a... A diversified farm. They went from a um, pastoral life to living in New York City. She and her sisters and her mom were laundresses in uh, hotels. My grandfather was a night watchman. They scraped and saved and actually bought into a uh, collective on Staten Island, a Hispanic collective. And at that time, Staten Island wasn't connected to the rest of the world by the Verrazano Narrows Bridge. It was like a journey. It was like getting into a covered wagon to get there every single weekend because you had to get on the train. Then you had to get on a bus. Then you had to get on the ferry. Then you had to get on the bus. And the final walk to the village was actually from a main road, Highland Boulevard, through the woods. And so the bus drivers would drop us off and say, where are you guys going? And we'd take this path through the woods and emerge in Spanish camp. Um, and so it was a real kind of going into Brigadoon kind of experience that that's what I pulled with me all of my life. And I said, that's where I'm going to a place where that's possible. The farm. Sylvia moved from New York at age 23 to Duluth, Minnesota. She was a reporter for the local television station, ended up in the Twin Cities, and most of her career was in public relations, crisis management, working for a nonprofit organization. 
but on the weekends and in the evening, she pursued her passion consulting with sustainable agricultural producers. Several years ago, Sylvia and her husband bought some farmland about 65 miles outside of Minneapolis. It was a hobby farm at first, but they were learning, thinking about what they wanted to do with the land. Then in recent years, while she was still working PR, she was commuting an hour or an hour and a half to get to the city. Of course, that could be even longer with snow in the wintertime. You can imagine how bad that was. So she started to think about what comes next. What is going to be her unretirement? She had a lot of energy. She had a lot of passion. And what she settled on was being a farmer. And so her days are really different from public relations, being in an office, to working on the farm, because the work on a farm is hard. Now I'm scooping out some formula from a cattle replacer. Okay, so Sylvia is lifting up this bag with the formula for the calf that they have to feed, and there's these two huge bottles of formula. She's lifting up uh, off the stove heated water, and you know, just take a baby bottle and multiply it by six or ten. I mean, it was just big. You have to whisk it. I hope I didn't get this too hot. And, you know, she's walking out there and carrying the bottles. Annie! Yeah, she sees the bottles. You see, she's licking her lips. And then she's feeding this 160, 165 pound calf and realizing just how physical is the labor. Okay, you should have seen how fast this calf drank that milk. It was unbelievable. Now, one of the things that's really moving or striking about unretirement is how many people are trying to find both an income and meaning in the second half of life. And one of the things that I really like about Sylvia and Dave is how thoughtful and how much they planned in making their transition into farming. They took classes. One was a year-long program with the Land Stewardship Project called Farm Beginnings. Another was grazing school. How do you raise grass-fed beef? They also talked about their values, and they had deep discussions about, you know, what really does matter to us, both as farmers and in our relationship. At the same time, they recognized that money is important. They didn't want to run out of money. They wanted this to be a viable enterprise. So it's that unretirement combination of meaning and money. It's very uh, capital intensive, especially on this farm that had no infrastructure. So we've had to rebuild fence. We've had to put in fence. There was no handling facility. All of that was my money going in to make this happen. You know, fortunately, we both have uh, retirement accounts. But the aim was we got to break even on this. And, and we are. And better. Yeah. And this farm really has a mission. And that's where those initial classes were very key, where you develop your life goals. This farm is about living in thanksgiving to God for what we have. That's what this farm is about. We are stewards, and we will treat it as stewards. So the cattle must be treated well. The land must be treated well. We must have integrity. We must have honesty. It was about doing something together that would strengthen our marriage. If our marriage is not strengthened, then we have to reconsider what we're doing. That's key. Here's one of the things that's so exciting about Sylvia's story. She's learning. She's curious. She's creative. 
She's innovative, and she's in her 60s, and a whole new chapter has opened up. It's exciting. Sometimes it's scary because I, I look at the situation, a situation, I think, I don't know what to do. I really don't know what to do here. Um, and Dave and I'll sit and talk about it because he's, he's not a farmer either. You know, he's, he's a chiropractor from a family of 20 chiropractors. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about it and then we'll call a friend. You know, it's like, what do you think? And sometimes nobody knows what to do because your situation is your farm. It's different. And you've got to try to figure it out. I wondered, had they figured out what comes next? At some point, the work is going to get too physical. It's going to be too hard. So what do they plan on doing, especially with the farm? Because of the physical nature of this work, we are going to try to get uh, someone who is willing to do some of the work on the farm for a percentage of our calf crop. And we will let them have that, keep the calves on this land for up to five years and then they can move, it, move those animals off to a different spot. And so it's, it's a sweat equity you know, kind of thing where they actually get to build a herd you know, on our land for some, some of the work that needs to be done. So yeah, we're definitely thinking about what's that next phase. Because we do want to keep animals on the farm. We do want this to continue operating. But we know that there are certain limitations just with us being our age. I wondered when we sat down for lunch after spending some time with Sylvia, and she served us this marvelous meal of beef stew and sausages from her farm and this terrific cheese from a local cheesemaker. And I looked at her and I said, you know, Sylvia, did you ever imagine this is what retirement meant? So for me, retirement didn't mean stopping. It meant shifting. It meant, uh, okay, now I get to do something else that I've really wanted to do full-time. When you're thinking about your retirement, actually your unretirement, what is it that you want to do? I mean, for Sylvia and Dave, it was a farm. Now, for a lot of us, we're not going to get into farming. But there must be something that you want to do. So as you near those retirement years, and we all get near those retirement years, and we know what they are, start thinking ahead. And it's not the farming to remember. It's the planning. It's the thoughtfulness. And they really did find something that is important to their values. And they're living their life. They're living a lifestyle that expresses their values and at the same time is sustainable financially. And that is what Unretirement is all about. I'm Chris Farrell. This is the Unretirement Podcast. broaden the discussion and get some practical tips about the personal finances of making this kind of transition. I got together with Ross Levin. He's a certified financial planner and head of accredited investors. Not a lot of 60-year-olds or 50-year-olds or 70-year-olds are going to decide they're going to go into farming. But a lot of people say, you know, I want to do something different. I want to do something that matters to me, something that has meaning. So what are some of the personal finance basics that you should sort of put on your list as you think about what to do next. What I love about the farm story, Chris, is that 
we really believe that money should support your values, not define them. And I think a lot of times people get that flipped. So they get caught in a situation where they have a lifestyle and they need to keep spending in order to support that lifestyle rather than stepping back and saying, okay, what do I really want my life to look like? Now, that concept of what I want my life to look like might involve some sacrifice. And if you're going to make a transition, if you're going to leave a high-paying job to a job that's uh, going to be more fulfilling but lower paying, you have to take, do some things first. I think the most important thing is to really determine what it is that you need from your finances. So things like the size of your home, that's something you can trade. Whether you own or rent, that's something that you can trade. What are the things that you really need in order to, to be comfortable with this change? Secondly, I think you also have to build some kind of safety net for you. The allure of doing something, you know, chasing the dream sounds really exotic and it sounds wonderful, but it's really hard work. And like any new business or like any new enterprise, it's going to take a little bit of time in order to, you, to for you to get to where you need to be. So you have to have a safety net. The safety net has to be, I think, through savings. So if you're planning to do this in the next three years, for example, you should be saving, not investing. You don't want to take money and put it into the stock market that you're going to be needing to pull out in the next two or three years. If it's a 10-year horizon, then you can invest for this and try to determine what things you could, you're, uh, how you're going to create the cash flow or the money that you're going to need. I think you need to pay attention to things like what's my health insurance going to cost? What are some other what are some unexpected costs that might might come up? What are my credit lines like? It's a, the best time to apply for credit is when you don't need it. And so before you make this transition, you might want to try to build out your credit lines. So when we think about making this kind of transition, it's always about okay, what do I have to cut? But is there also a different trade-off if you're working longer and earning less income? versus working shorter and making a greater income. Does it kind of even out? In other words, does your standard living have to fall as much as you might originally think? Well, no. I mean, if you're doing something that you absolutely love and you can do it for longer, uh, you don't need to save as much for retirement, for example, because you're going to be working longer. The hardest issue for retirees is living off their money too early. When you retire makes a, has much more impact on your uh, longevity to live off your portfolio than the rate of return you're going to get on that money. So for sure, if, you live, if you're working longer and don't need to withdraw from your resources, uh, that's going to be a huge benefit. I think other things to think about, this cutting back is not necessarily a bad thing. And I wouldn't necessarily even call it cutting back. I would say reprioritizing, reimagining maybe. Because if I was to make this kind of move, one of the things I would do is I would try to drive down my fixed costs. You know, you can decide not to take a trip, but you can't decide not to pay your mortgage. So if you drive down your fixed costs, that gives you a lot of flexibility. And what you're just trying to create is flexibility. But yes, you. I, I don't want to act like uh, going from a high-paying job to a low-paying job is easy. Um, but I also want to say it's probably worth it. And what I mean by that is we have a lot of people who have spent 50 years in jobs that they haven't loved. And uh, you ask yourself, why? Can I tell you a quick story? Sure. I was on a, uh, my wife and I were on a vacation in Colorado, and there was a van driver and he was 35 years old, and I was talking to him, and I said, tell me a little bit about yourself. And he said, well, he said, in the winters, I drive this van, 
and then I get to ski. And in the summers, I'm a park ranger, and I go to any park that I want to in the country. I've got enough seniority that I can work any park that I want. And I said, well, how that, how's that going for you? He said, I absolutely love it. And he, he said, but I'm feeling some pressure from my parents because they want me to do something with my life. And I thought it was so ironic because I have all my clients who spend their life so that they could eventually do exactly what this guy is doing. And so, you know, one of the things that we, we get so messed up about is what are we supposed to do versus what do we want to do? And what if you've done your initial budget, your initial cut, and you realize the numbers don't work? Then I think you have to, uh, you have a couple choices. You have to work a little bit longer and save harder in order to uh, be able to afford it and make those new budgets change. You have to step back and say, this is a dream, but it might not be realistic. And unfortunately, that can happen sometime. Or you can look at things and say, okay, what's an alternative plan? What's something that's close to what I thought I could do, but it's not going to be the same thing? So for example, rather than buy a farm, what if I leased a farm? Uh, rather than buy the cattle, what if I worked on a working farm, an organic farm someplace, just to get the experience and just to see what it was like and get and, and try to do that. So I think you might have to modify your plans uh, if the numbers don't work. I'd love to be able to say, oh, just go for it. But, you know, the, the consequences of just going for it might be a little bit high. And there's something you, you said once to me that I've has always stuck with me, which is that you've never been around someone on their deathbed or near their deathbed that has said to you, I wish I'd owned that Mercedes. Or another way also thinking about it is, we don't know very many people who said, you know, I wish I had taken one more airplane trip for the company. Absolutely right. I think what happens is that we all get trapped. And uh, our finances can be a prison. And the way they're a prison, you can your home could be a prison. You own a big home that you don't want to sell because you're going to be embarrassed or it might cause you some kind of, uh, it, it might not reflect on how successful you want to appear to be. And so you make choices that aren't really consistent with what you want for yourself. But what we have found with our clients, and we've got a lot of clients who've uh, been retired for a long time. We've got a lot of people, uh, unfortunately, who've passed away. And all of them, as they get older, are talking about what experiences that they've had. And some of them really care a lot about passing money on to their kids. But most of the times the kids are saying, in general, that, you know what, we want mom and dad to have the life that they want to live. We'll be okay. And um, I think that, that it's really important for people to understand what does that look like. Because, you, you know, you got one shot, and you better take advantage of it. Thanks, Ross. That was Ross Levin, Certified Financial Planner and Head of Accredited Investors. Now it's time to take a listener question. I love this part of the podcast. So if you want to send us your question about your own retirement, you can get in touch with us through our website at unretirement.fm. Hi, Chris. This is Paul Wilson from St. Paul, Minnesota. For unretirees who've really defined themselves by their careers and don't have many outside interests, how can they go about exploring different avenues to find the passion and find the value that they're looking for? I love this question because it's at the core of an issue so many people face when they're thinking about their unretirement years. Boy, I like this idea of passion and a purpose, meaning and money. But what is it I want to do? What is my next chapter? What is my encore? 
what is my unretirement? I have a couple of practical suggestions. And by the way, this is going to be a theme that emerges again and again throughout all these podcasts, throughout our season. But one idea, try something out while you're on the job, while you're working. Maybe you have a side gig or a passion or you're thinking about starting your own business. You know, test things out while you're still employed. Have some money coming in before you put in your goodbye papers to your employer. Also, talk to lots of people. Have conversations. You know, Thomas Wolfe famously said, the boomers are the me generation. Well, the boomers are turning out, at least in their older years, to be the us generation. There's a lot of conversations going on about what is this retirement thing and how do we rethink it? How do we reimagine it? And so I would also tap into my network. That is the most valuable asset that any boomer has is their network, the people that know them. And go around your network. They know you. And say to them, what do you think I should do? What would I be good at? Do you know somebody that I should talk to that might have some insight for what might be my unretirement? And I would also volunteer because volunteerism is a good way to get back to the community. We all like doing that. But it's also a good way to figure out do I want to work for this organization? Is there a place for me? And it's a way of a, not only you figuring out whether this is the right organization for you to work with, but it's also they look at you and maybe they want you to come work for them. So test it out, volunteer, talk to lots of people, and tap into your network. That's at least the beginning toward this exciting chapter in your life called Unretirement. This is a moment when I get to thank you for listening to the Unretirement Podcast, so thank you. And you can find resources from this episode on our website. And you can join us in the Unretirement Conversation at facebook.com slash unretirement. And we'd really like to hear from you. So tell us about your plans for your unretirement and leave us your questions. We'd like to answer them. It takes a community to create a podcast, and for me... That's what makes it fun. So thank you to Catherine Winter, editor, Lauren D., producer, and Steve Nelson, our Sherpa. By the way, the music we're ending with today is by Sylvia's daughter, Dessa, the spoken word and hip-hop artist. Here comes the beekeeper With her pitcher full of smoke She'll put a 